we need to wrap our mind around the fact that Jesus is coming. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is coming. It's Maranatha. I think sometimes we don't encourage each other enough with this. We're to, we're to encourage each other as believers that Jesus is coming. We must realize that from the beginning of creation, the enemy has had his eye on humanity. The crosshairs of his target has been on humanity from the very beginning of creation. I, if you think about it, when God created man, he created man in his image. He hates the fact that we are created in his image. He hates that. The next thing that God did after he created Adam was he created Eve. He created the family. And it's important for us to understand this morning that God created us. That we aren't just here by happen chance. We're not just here because that we just walked into the place. But God created us. Male and female, the Bible says he created us. Adam and Eve. When God creates, I challenge you to not give in to what the culture believes. Not give in to what the culture would tell you, but when God creates, he creates that which has the ability to reproduce after its own kind. It's all the way through Genesis. The seed is placed within the woman and, and, and the man to be able to reproduce after their kind. That's why when you have a child, as scary as it can be, you can produce a child that looks just like you. It can skip generations. I've warned my son-in-law as I said, you do know this thing could come out with my head on it when a baby is born. Unfortunately, the two grandsons, or fortunately, the two grandsons I have, they didn't come out with my head on it. It's probably a good thing. They look exactly like their dad, and that's a great thing. He's a handsome fella. But I've got one more hope, James. Kristen's due here next month, and that thing could come out with my head on it. Anyhow, that's scary, I know. It's, it's scary. But that's the reality of it. We have the ability because God is fruitful. God is one that he's a creator. God is one that, that when he produces something, it has the seeds within, within an apple tree have the ability to reproduce after itself, after its own kind. We're going to look at this a little bit, but the fruit of a tree is not for the tree. If an apple tree produces apples, it's, the apple tree is not going to eat it. That fruit is for the one that passes by. We're going to look a little bit at that. How about Adam and Eve? God made Adam and Eve. What was the attack that, that happened with Adam and Eve at the very beginning? We can see this is marriage Sunday, it's family Sunday. And, you know, the enemy, we got to realize how he works. If we can realize how we work, how he works, we can connect to God and we can beat him at his game. And so when he came at Adam and Eve, the first thing he did was he tried to get between them. And as he caused division between them, and I'm not going to get into the blame game because they were unified in their decision to go against God. Because that's the next thing that's going to happen is he's going to get a division between the couple and God. And that's what he did. He created a division, a void, if you will, between humanity at this point and God. Adam and Eve, that's the place that's, that sin entered in to the human race. We've been dealing with it ever since. We can look all the way through. The next example we can look at is in Noah and his family. Noah and his day where God destroyed the, the world with water. What we understand is that God looked down, it says, into the heart of humanity, and he could see that the intentions and the thoughts of man's heart was evil continually is what the Bible says. And so by looking down into the heart of humanity, what he did was he formed this plan to wipe out those evil thoughts and, and, and to wipe that out. So he wiped out everybody but Noah because the next scripture says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, I'd like to tell you that Noah went on to live this great life and he never had any kind of dysfunction entering his family, but that's not the truth. 
he ended up having issues with one of his sons, and there ended up being a division in his family where he was kind of astray from his son even after that. Why? Because the enemy is not going to give up. The enemy has got us under his attack, but I'm not here to glorify him. I'm here to, I'm here to take the covers off of him so people can see who he is. If we take the blinders off of our eyes and we can recognize what really is happening in our life, we can fight the right, the right way and fight the way God would have us to fight. So Noah was an example. The neat thing I think about Noah is it says in Noah in our day, in, in the New Testament, it said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days before the coming of the Lord. We're at that time. We're at the same time frame where God is looking down into our hearts. He's looking down into the hearts of humanity. What will he find inside your heart? What will he find inside your mind? I can tell you now that our culture is sending out a different message. We need to be careful that the culture is not influencing us. Abraham and Sarah, they failed to wait on God, and they created an Ishmael. Now, we can go down the whole list of how all that played out, but what we do understand that God worked in the midst of dysfunction. There was some dysfunction happening there in the house, and mom got involved in all this, and the birthright was passed down to the second son that had a, a soup war with his uh, elder brother earlier on in life. But however all that played out, God still had a plan. He was working out. He still had a plan. Even though there was dysfunction, God had a plan. How about Lot? Now, Lot is in a situation where he's in a culture where it talks about in the last days it would be as it was in the days of Noah. It also says as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, Lot was the one where God looked down on Sodom and Gomorrah. He looked down on that society. He saw the evil that was preying on that society. And however we look at it, in that day, the prime thing was homosexuality. They had given themselves to the, the plan that was anti of what God created. They were going against the creation that God had formed and instituted at the beginning of the Bible. And so now we look at Lot's in a situation where the society begins to push on the doors of his house. We could say society was pushing on the doors of the church. They were trying to get in to have their way with the male angel. If you look at that scripture, it was Lot that ends up leaving with his family. And as they begin to journey away from that place, it was his wife that turned to look back at Sodom and Gomorrah. As she turned to look back, the Bible says she was turned to a pillar of salt. I'm telling you, we can be, our feet can carry us the right path. Our feet may be carrying us the path of deliverance. They may be carrying us to the place where God's going to bring deliverance in our life. But if we're not careful, our heart is back in Sodom and Gomorrah. Our hearts and the culture, our heart is what society's given us. We've got to look into God's word and see what his plan is and follow his word. Now, we can go on to look at, um, we understand that Jacob had issues with his. How about, I said Abraham and Sarah and their kids. Abraham and Sarah, I mentioned that. We understand that they gave in, right? Abraham and Sarah had an issue with, with the fact they didn't want to wait on God. They produced an Ishmael. How about Jacob? Jacob ends up having 12 sons. Joseph, being one of those sons, finds himself in a place that his, son, his brothers have given him off to the culture. They've just given him away. He was useless to them. And so now he finds himself in this place where he's been thrown in a pit, and they pull him out of the pit, and they sell him off into slavery. Now being sold off into slavery... He gets himself in this place where he's got a choice to make. He's going to honor God. He's going to trust God. He's going to follow God. Or is he going to give in to his circumstances? Is he going to give in to hate for his brothers and, and all the feelings and emotions that would come over a person in that moment? Joseph's an example that if we just stay true to God, that God will stay true to us. And that's what happened. Joseph's life is one of those that through his circumstances, he trusted God all the way through. And regardless of what happens, he gets to this situation where he's facing his brothers at a place where now his 
brothers, the dads died, and he's facing his brothers, right? His brother's facing him, and they're, they're scared to death what Joseph is going to do to him. They're scared to death that now he's going to let his wrath loose because dad's gone. Joseph looks at him and says, for as for you, you meant evil against me. He said, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save many people alive. What we understand is if we keep our heart in the right place, God will use us and our family to bring love and to bring about his result. How about King David? I'm not going to get into King David's story, but King David's one that the Bible says was after God's own heart. And I think that's awesome. And, and he can be a great example, but we can also see in David's life that dysfunction entered his doors. That dysfunction was something that happened in David's family. And I'm not going to get through all the details. You can read it later. But he went through situations where he ended up having someone killed that he had a baby with their wife. And, and he went on down to having his children. That baby ended up dying. And then he ends up having his children who start warring against each other and having all kinds of issues and dysfunctions in the family to the point where one of the sons is even killed through the process. And then the other son who had that happen ends up turning on his dad, turning on David. I'm telling you, that's dysfunction. But somewhere in the middle of that, God had a plan for David, and David pursued God, and he was a guy that was after God's own heart. The list, it goes on and on, and human, human nature in itself can be dysfunctional. But we're not called to the dysfunction. We're called to be functional. We're called to look into God's word and see what it looks like to have a functional family at work. How about Romans 12 and 18? It says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. What is the key? What is the answer? Where is your struggle? Who are you struggling with? Who, if I was to ask you, uh, that is your, the biggest opponent maybe that you feel in your life that you're struggling with? Hopefully it's not your spouse. Hopefully it's not someone in your home, but maybe it is. But where is that struggle? The Bible tells us, and this goes abroad to everybody, if it is possible, as much depends on you, live peaceably with all men, with everybody. Especially, I would like to add to that, Especially it should be those in our household, those that we interact with the most. So what is the key? What is the answer? For the few moments we have today, I want us to be challenged with putting love in our marriages and in our families. In 1 John 4 and 8, we find the key. This is what the Bible says. He who does not love God or does not love does not know God. He who does not know God does not, sorry, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Let's wrap our mind around that one more time. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. We have to understand that God is love. When we love, what we have to understand this morning, that we take on the very character of God. God's character is love. That's who he is. That's what describes him best. He is love. And so if we want to be like God, if we want to live our lives to be a Christian, we want to live our life to be like him, we have to look into his word and realize that if he is love, that we have to get as much of him in our lives so that we can live that out, and that comes out of our life. For God is love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. 
love never fails. We need to understand that word love, if you look at the root, is agape. It's agape love. It's God's love. And I would like to tell all of us that that is something that we're born with, that we're born with the capacity and the ability to just have that automatic in our life. And we're going to look into God's word and see if that is true. This is what love is, and this is what love is not. Love is patience, kindness, protection. It brings trust. It always hopes. It always perseveres. It always rejoices in the truth. Love is not envy, boastful, pride, anger, keeping record of wrongs, delighting in evil. That is not what love is. Galatians 5 and 19. This is what it says. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, adultery, witchcraft, hatred, variance, immutations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I also have told you in the time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Pretty heavy. It's God's word. It's pretty heavy, but that is God's word. We can see that, that somewhere for these things to be produced in our life, that they're connected somewhere to a root in our life. It sounds like the evening news, doesn't it? sounds like something we would pop the news on and read. When we see this kind of stuff begin to, to come out of our life, we have to take evaluation of it. We can't just ignore it. We can't just ignore it and think it's going to go away. If you're dealing with situations where there's anger and there's different types of things that are coming up out of your life, you've got to realize that that is in itself connected to a root somewhere in your life. I, we would take our kids to Kings Island, and there was a game there that was called Whack-A-Mole. And you would have these moles that would kick their head up, and when they would kick their head up, you'd take this bat and you'd whack it on the head, and the better you were at that, the more points you got. You got enough points, you got a stuffed animal. And sometimes I feel like that this is the way our Christian walk is. Sometimes I feel like we're trying to do everything we can to allow God to take first place in our life. We're trying to follow him. We're trying to go the path that he has directed and orchestrated for our life. And then the enemy is trying at the same time to produce this kind of fruit in our life. And before we know it, we have this double standard going on. James 1 and 8 says a double-minded man, double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. That means everything that you set out to do, if you're double-minded in the way that you look at life, you'll be unstable in everything that you do. In the Old Testament, it talked about sowing fields. It says that when you sow your fields, do not sow your fields with mingled seed. That's important. It's important that you sow your field with one type of seed. And that way you don't have this competition thing going on in the crop. If we're going to produce the things that God wants us to produce in our life, then we cannot sow the seeds of this world in our heart and our life and sow the seeds that God would have us to be sowed in our life. It's going to bring about confusion in your life. So we've got to be careful. We need to realize that that fruit that is being produced in your life is connected to a root somewhere. Now, how that root got in your life, I can't, I can't say. How that happened, it could have happened through an influence. It could have happened through a coworker. It could have happened through something you saw on TV. It could have happened through something that you dealt with in your past. I don't know how those roots get planted. But what I'm concerned with today is that we deal with that. Because if we're going to have the marriages that God intends for us to have, if we're going to reach our prodigals and have good, solid families, then we've got to wrap our mind around what God intends for us to live in our Christian walk. Isaiah 61 and 1 
This is words that Jesus repeated when he came in on the scene. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint to them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them the beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they, those that live this out, it says that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. What we have to understand today is that we were meant to bear fruit in our life, and that fruit that we bear in our life is to give God glory. Everything that produces out of our life should give God glory. It should point people to him. And that's why it's important that we take evaluation of our life and take evaluation of our marriages and take evaluation of our relationships and look and see, does it line up with the word of God? And am I producing the right kind of fruit in my life? This is what Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says. It says, but the fruit of the spirit, this is the fruit of the spirit is love. The first one, agape, the same word that we talked about in Corinthians. The fruit of the spirit is love, agape love. So that tells me I've already got encouragement. That tells me if that's a fruit of the Spirit, that's something God can grow in me. That's something that God can produce in me. That is something that may not be automatic. It may be something that if I get connected to him who is love, that I have the ability and the capacity to produce this in my own life. We have to grab that this morning. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Bible says, against such there is no law. God desires for us to bear good fruit in our life. It's not about judging one another. It's not about that. It's about us taking evaluation of ourselves. Where are we at? I don't know where you live. I know this, just like it was in the days of Noah. God is looking down into the hearts of humanity. He's looking down to the intentions of our heart. And he's looking down into the thoughts of our heart. And he's looking at us to see what he will find. And that's why it's important that we have our mind wrapped around God's word, that we produce the result he intends for us to produce. This is what Psalm 1 says. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Why is that so important? Because I'm telling you, when you leave out of this place today, there's going to be a whole lot of people that will give you their opinion. There's a, you can Google opinions. You can get on the Internet. You can just turn your radio on. People will give you their opinions. You can turn the TV on. It's endless. That's why it's important that we understand where we get the source of how we live. It's through God. If God is the one that produces the fruit in us, then he's the one that we need to look into his word to see how we live this out. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. The Bible said he would be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that will bring forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does, it shall prosper. If you want to live a kind of life that's going to be prosperous, if you want to live a kind of life that's going to represent God and bring glory to him, it's staying connected to him, staying connected to his word, staying connected to the place where the rivers flow like they did in this place this morning, getting connected to the place where God can bring forth that kind of fruit in your life. It takes time to produce fruit in your life. It's not automatic. It's not something that just 
it just happens overnight. It takes some time to produce that fruit. It's not always instant. John 15 and 4 says this. It says, this is Jesus' words. He said, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. We're having trouble bearing this kind of fruit. Maybe we're disconnected. He says, no more can you except you abide in me. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Without God, we can do nothing. He is the source of us living this thing out to bring fruit to the glory of God. In order for us to have that in our marriages and our families, we have to stay connected to the source. A.W. Tozer is a writer from years ago that I love, and he's famous for a lot of quotes in the Christian movement. This is one that he put, we cannot pray in love and live in hate and still think that we are worshiping God. Think about that. We cannot pray in love and live in hate and still think that we're worshiping God. In Romans 12 and 9, it says, let love, again, there's our word agape, let love be without hypocrisy, that double-minded standard. It says, abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. That word abhor, I had to, I'm a word junkie. I had to find out what that was about. It means to hate or detest evil. So that means that we're to hate and detest what is evil. That next word, cling, it means to be cemented to or glued to the good. Think about that. We're to hate what is evil, but we're to be, we're to be cemented to or glued to that which is good. I think that's cool because as I was reading in Matthew chapter 19, 5 and 6 this morning, looking at marriage vows and looking at the vows that, that men and women take between them when they get married. This is some of the words that are said. Jesus said, and, and he said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave, that word again, cemented to or glued to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they were no more two but one flesh. So what therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. In the marriage vows that men and women take when they come up to give themselves in this marriage, this bond of marriage, the word cleave, to be cemented to or glued to, is part of that process. And I think that's important because the enemy, just like Adam and Eve, just like his plan from the beginning, is always going to try to find a way to get division in the household. He's going to try to find a foothold, a way to get in. And, and if he can do it right, he'll not only get division there, but he'll get division between both of them and God. I'm telling you, the enemy, we've got to recognize him for what he is and who he is. Now, I think there are three things that will help you determine where your priorities are. What do you think about the most? What is the basis of your conversations? And where and how do you spend your time? What do you think about? What is the basis of your conversation? How do you spend your time? In children's church, we used to sing this song. It said this. It said, be careful little eyes what you see, little ears, what you hear, little tongue, what you say, and little hands, what you do, little feet, where you go, the heart, who you trust, the mind, what you think, eyes, ears, tongue, hands, and feet, ultimately our heart and our mind. I think most of our problems begin with a similar pattern. We are enticed by the enemy by what we see and what we hear. Think about it. When the enemy came in the Garden of Eden, he Begin to speak to them, they gave an ear to him, and then he began to show them a tree that, that they were not allowed or it was forbidden to them. 
So he went by what they were hearing and then began to get a hold of what they were seeing. It's the way the enemy works. Our words and actions are soon to follow, and before you know it, our heart, our trust, our mind, and the way we think is compromised. I think Casting Crowns did a good job on this years ago in a song called Slow Fade. It said in their song, be careful little eyes what you see. It's the second glance that ties your hands as darkness pulls the strings. Be careful little feet where you go, for it's the little feet behind you that are sure to follow. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white are turned to gray. And thoughts invade, choices are made, a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. When flattering leads to compromises, the end is always near. Be careful, little lips, what you say, for empty words and promises lead broken hearts astray. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. The journey from your mind to your hands is shorter then you're thinking, be careful. If you think you stand, you might be sinking. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white are turned to gray. And thoughts invade, choices are made, the price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. Daddies never crumble in a day. Families never crumble in a day. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. How do we do it? How do we live this thing out? I believe the answer is that we have to put on Christ. We have to, to have agape love in our life. We have to realize that there's a responsibility as Christians that we have. We have to put on Christ. Romans 13, 11 says it this way. It says, and do this, knowing the time. I think those first few words are important. I think we need to understand the time in which we live. The time that is compared to the days of Noah. The time that is compared to the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's important that we understand the time in which we live. It says, and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake from our sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in reverie, in drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision to fulfill its lust the flesh and its lust. We need to determine to love unconditionally. To have God's kind of love, we have got to come to terms to love unconditionally. If we could come to the music, I'm going to slowly bring this thing down, and if we could stand to our feet. 1 Peter 4 and 8 gives us a commandment that I think we need to grab a hold of this morning. It says, and above all things, 1 Peter 4 and 8, 
have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. I'm telling you, love is powerful. God's love is powerful. Ephesians 4 and 26 says this, Be angry and do not sin. Isn't that interesting? Be angry and do not sin. So it's possible that anger may rear its ugly head. But if you don't play whack-a-mole with it, do something with it, it's going to cause you to sin. That's what I believe that's saying. Be angry, but do not sin. It says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. I've got down, keep short accounts of issues and lose the list. Some of us have walked in this place, and I believe that we have carried a list in the back of our mind or in our, in our pocket of what's been done to us. Maybe it's in the marriage where one spouse did something or said something and we've carried that on a list with us. We need to lose the list because that's not love. Maybe it's a family member. You know, we're talking about reaching prodigals. Wow, is it difficult to reach prodigals when we're not living this thing out the way God intended. Remember the fruit, the fruit that's hanging on the tree, the fruit that's hanging on our lives? It's not for us. It's for all those people that come around us come in contact with us. What kind of fruit are you sowing in the people around you? Understand this, that that fruit that you're bearing in your life has the ability and the capacity to have a seed within it to produce that same fruit in the person you come in contact with. I'm telling you, for us to be able to produce this kind of life as survival as a Christian is one thing. But to do ministry and to be able to be effective in our households and our family and our marriages it's a whole nother ball game. Remember the words of that song? The feet behind you are sure to follow. We're raising up little ones and they're right behind us. For others in this place that aren't married, we've got family members, we've got other people that we're in contact with. It's important to understand this morning that we're bearing one of these types of fruit in our life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to challenge you this morning. Maybe you came into this place and you're hearing this, and maybe you've had a distorted view of love. Maybe you've not been living this thing out the way God's Word describes it. If that is you, I just challenge you simply with the fact that you cannot give what you don't have. That if you've never accepted God's love into your heart, then that's probably the main reason, because He is love, that you've not been able to live this thing out in your own life. So the first thing, all you've got to do, it's simple, and that is just to connect with God. Just let God in your heart. Let him come in. He will come in your heart. He will help you live this thing out. He, we talked about the vine. We talked about the branch. Being connected to him gives you the ability to produce this in your life. If you're here with every head bowed, every eye closed, and you say, I need Jesus Christ in my life. I need salvation in my life. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. I just want to know who I'm praying with this morning. God bless you. God bless you. We've got two. If you're here and you want prayer, once you put your hand up, you can put it back down. Amen. You can't give what you don't have. You can't bear this kind of fruit unless it's connected to God and He's bearing it inside of you. If you need Jesus Christ this morning, I'm going to give you a minute because you're worth waiting on. Just raise your hand. We're going to say a prayer. This prayer in itself, God bless you. This prayer in itself is not going to save you unless it comes directly from your heart. That place that God's looking down on, that place of your thoughts, that place of the intentions of your heart, that place that God looks down inside of us, if you make that decision from down in there, 
truly mean it with every fiber of your being, Jesus Christ is going to come inside of your heart and your life. He's going to bring a change moving forward. If that's you, we've got three that are going to make a commitment. If there's anyone else, I'll give you just a second. Church, pray. Souls are weighing in the balance. Let's pray. Okay. We're going to bring these. God bless you. God bless you. Does anyone else? Anyone else want to make that commitment this morning? God bless you. Let's take these right to the throne. Just repeat after me. Jesus, I come to you in need of a Savior. And I recognize I cannot save myself. I recognize, Jesus, that you gave your life on a cross. And you rose on the third day. You sit at the right hand of the Father, making intercession right now. I profess you as my Savior. I profess you as my Lord. Wash me clean this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. For the rest of us in this house, I don't know what situations you have. I'll hang around up here if you want direct prayer. We had some come up uh, from the early service wanting that. I'll pray with you. Some of these other ministers will pray directly with you. But I want to say a corporate prayer over you. And what I want to encourage you with is that sometimes if, if you see dysfunction in your family, it's okay. We all have it. Look at your neighbor and say, we all have it. Okay, but that is not our goal is to make that our residence. Our goal is to be at peace with everybody if we have the ability to do that. And so what we want to do is we want to recognize the enemy, how he works, and stop him working in our family the way he is. In the process of that, we want to renew our commitments in our marriage. We want to renew our commitments in our families. So let's just bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I worship you, I praise you, and honor you. God, I thank you that your word is the most powerful element on this planet outside of your presence and your spirit. And God, I thank you that your word is coming alive inside of us this morning. I thank you, God, that the enemy, we're not ignorant of his devices. We understand how he works, but God, you're greater than him. Your word says that greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. So God, right now, we look to you. We look to you to produce that kind of, li that kind of love, that kind of fruit in our life. God, let us throw away the list this morning. That list that we carry, that we beat people up with, or maybe we complain to others about God. Let us throw away the list this morning. God, I pray over every marriage that's represented. I pray over family, every family that's represented. And I pray, God, that they would come alive in you. God, that you would raise us up to live this thing out, God, the way you intended for us to live it out. And I pray that in the powerful name of Jesus Christ this morning. Amen. 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 Would you give the Lord another good praise offering? Praise the Lord. He is so worthy of our praises. Amen. Amen. Uh, normally the pastors will give them a moment to get to the doors. I think uh, some of them are back there and you can greet them as you're leaving. Um, I have a couple of announcements. One, tonight instead of our regular service, Mix will be uh, having service in the... Uh